Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. You're on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Greggie, happy Friday. Here to talk starting pitchers today. I mean, it's going to be a long, grueling process. Going to start the process of talking about starting pitching. It's probably going to be like a three-part series here. Uh, maybe even longer. Who knows? But very excited, Greg. Yeah, it should be fun. How you doing? How'd you sleep last night? Uh, that was great. It had been to be honest with you. Oh, I slept great. Did you? Yeah, told you a little bit yeah, about it. Yeah, you did. I guess that makes sense. Passed out on my couch. Woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah, so <laughs> I slept. I slept okay. Um, at like four forty-two, specifically four forty-two. I woke up. I looked at the clock, and I'm just like, I'm I'm awake now. Like, I don't. I'm not comfortable. I felt like hot. Wide awake, huh? Gross. Weird. Weird yeah. night for Susmania. Yeah. He's wearing the male Uggs though. Oh, yeah. That's definitely happening. Oh, right? yeah. A little I, bit of snow on the ground here in New York City. A lot of snow. Dude, I walked in a freaking blizzard this morning. I'm sorry you get up later. Yeah. Was it really a blizzard, Greg? Not really, but no. Yeah. But it was snowing. <laughs> it was snowing. I didn't, like, wear him because it wasn't snowing. guy needs snowing. every excuse to get his male Uggs on. I'm not upset. I'm not ashamed by it. It was great. I, I mean, there's a lot of snow on the ground, to be fair. Not really. There is. There's, like, two Wait. inches. Probably not even. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm not making that up. I think you're making it up. All right, that's what you think. It's fine. Uh, on the program today, as Frank said, we need some starting pitchers. That's right. We get right into it. Top tier. We get right into it, and we're going to be joined from pitcher list at from at pitcher list. It's our guy Nick Pollock. Nick, welcome to the program. What is happening? Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. I hope you enjoyed our opening of uh, nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, I got to peer out my window and see some snow today. See, it really right? did look like a blizzard. I have to say, if it's anything, it's a blizzard here. Nick, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I don't, you know what? I'm a big fan of uh, Pitcher List, our guy Nick Pollock on Twitter, but already starting off on the wrong foot here. <laughs> Disagree. You're siding with Greg Sussman. He's right. About it being Nick, a let's outside. ask you. Nick, how'd you sleep last yes. night? Yeah, how did you sleep? I slept great. I had a fantastic sleep. Oh, that's good. You know? Well, that, makes, that makes one of us, Nick. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, like you said, on the show today, we're going to dive into starting pitchers over the next hour. And you're the guy to do it. You follow him at Pitcher List. And uh, you've done a fantastic job breaking all of this down. And hopefully, uh, you can help us. Um, you can help us kind of decide things as we debate all of these starting pitchers. We've gone through every single uh, hitter category. And now we're up to starting pitchers. We're getting to relievers, of course, next week. We assume the starting pitchers are going to take us a while to get to. Um, so we don't really have a limit on it, per se. But we're going to do the best we can. Sounds great. Awesome. I mean, this is what I do. This is, is uh, 
I talk starting pitching every single night, every single guy get, who went the net before. So. Does it get boring? Never. Mm. Never. And there's, there's so always much something to, to talk about. about. Like, it's yeah. never ending, right? So, like, again, we're going to talk about some of the top tier guys. And, you know, we're splitting hairs with some of these guys, obviously, but. But then we're not. <laughs> but <laughs> look, it's an interesting time, right? Like, I tweeted out, there's like an awesome amount of like names that are just going today, like in spring training, like super intriguing dudes from. You know, let's see what Madison Bumgarner does this time around because he got blasted his first time around. And he's a hot topic of conversation. You know, he slipped super far in my uh, my great fantasy baseball invitational. But, they're, like, Michael Pineda's on the mound today. Like, Nick Kingham, John Gray, Aaron Sanchez, like, Justice Sheffield. There is an infinite amount going on right now in terms of starting pitching, uh, both, you know, for fantasy baseball and then in spring training. So, uh, look, it's never-ending. So, that's why that's why Nick is able to talk about it every single night, Greg. Yeah, actually, actually, this morning and before every single spring training day, I tweet out the pitchers that are going to be starting for the day so and what we should be looking for, so uh, at least the ones that we can see on TV. Yeah. So like today, Nick Kingham last time was apparently 94, 95. And that's really cool because last year he was topping out at 94, 95 and see him sitting there. Oh, that can be really exciting. We have Sheffield going today. We have Quintana. Hopefully he's at 91, 92. We have uh, Yunjin Ryu. Maybe that change up is back again. Uh, Robbie Ray's there. Maybe the curveball's working. That'd be great. There's so much stuff to talk about, and it's just spring training. So I never get bored. This is starting pitching, the best position in fantasy baseball and the best fantasy sport. So I'm ready to do this. If it's the best position in fantasy baseball and in any fantasy sport and yada, 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 Max Scherzer is the best pitcher in fantasy baseball. He's the best pitcher in real-life baseball. Yes. In the NFBC, he's going off the board at number four. Can you make an argument that he should go off the board at number one? No, <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm, I'm someone who, uh, and preaches this a lot is wait a ton on starting pitching. Really? Okay. I think, I think entering 2020, we're going to be talking about it being the year of starting pitching depth next year, because we're not realizing how much depth there is this year. Uh, I personally just going to go for bats. I, that's why I did the, uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational. I think I got Severino in the third round and then waited until Zach Wheeler at pick 99 for my second guy. And I will not be going after Scherzer. I don't think there's that necessity that a lot of people think there are. There are more uh, – there's more talent in the pool than uh, than that. you don't need to go after Scherzer number one. Why not go for Trout and Betts? Your offense is going to be so good just with those guys. You don't need Scherzer to anchor that staff. I look, I agree with you. I look, you can't make the argument, Greg. I know I he's just the best, wanted to ask. He's the best starting pitcher in baseball. <laughs> he should be going, you know, in the middle of the first round. I think his ADP is adequate right now, maybe even a little high. But you know, really, once you get Trout and Betts off the board, I think you can make an argument for like ten different guys that should go between like three and twelve. Like uh, you can make the argument for any one of those guys, and I don't think that you get killed for it. Like again, you can make an argument for Jose Ramirez at three, Yelich, Acuna. Uh, Max Scherzer, if you really wanted to, uh, Nolan Arenado, like you could, there's a lot of different ways you could go once those top two guys are off the board. But I agree, Max Scherzer should not be in that conversation. Like even in points leagues, where I think uh, pitching is even more important, especially like in my leagues, like the top starting pitchers outscore the top hitters. I mean, we should probably like bring that range closer. Like starting pitchers shouldn't be outscoring hitters uh, as much as they are. Uh, but even in that, like format and head-to-head points, I'm still taking Trout and Betts over Max Scherzer. Ultimately, I I tend to agree and, you know, just had to ask the question. But then we get to a more fun topic. 
And that's Chris Sale versus Jacob DeGrom. And Frank, you in all of your drafts, and you've spoken about this a lot because you are a slave to position scarcity, that you are drafting an outfielder and you're drafting a starting pitcher. And you pulled the starting pitchers up the board rather than take a position ultimately that you did not want to. And it was from your first best ball draft all the way through now uh, where you have pulled up Jacob DeGrom, you've pulled up Chris Sale. We are in March now. This is Fantasy Baseball Draft Month. We're in March officially. If you had to choose one right now to draft, who would it be, Chris Sale or Jacob DeGrom? Yeah, it's super close to me. Again, this is what we're talking about with splitting hairs. I worry a little bit more about, and I don't even know if it's fair to say, right? Because, like, the, the two years before last year, like, Chris Sale had gone over 200 innings, like, each of them. But you just, you watch him pitch, and as awesome as he is, you kind of do get scared just because, like, as wiry as his frame is and, you know, he missed time last year. It's like, you, me personally, I still kind of, like, worry that he's at more of an injury risk than a guy like Jacob DeGrom. I just think DeGrom is safer in terms of the innings pitch. So if I'm choosing one of them, I'm taking DeGrom. And, you know, we've said this about uh, some of the hitters, like Christian Yelich that's going in the first round, Jose Ramirez, that even if they regress a little bit from their numbers last year, they could still pay off first-round value. And I think that's a good way to sum it up with Jacob DeGrom, right? Like, he's probably not going to be as good as he was last year. I mean, he was, like, historically good. But even if he comes back to a, you know, sub-three ERA and, you know, the wins should be better because we all expect the Mets lineup to be better this year. So he should get a little bit more run support. I think the strikeouts are still going to be there for DeGrom. So even if the ERA and the whip, like, regress a little bit and come back, I still think that he could pay off first-round value. In best ball leagues, I'm more apt to take starting pitching early and get those those anchors and those guys that are going to give you innings pitched uh, just because it's best ball. Like, you're not going to be able to make moves once the season starts, so it's a little bit different there. I'm definitely going to want to try and get, like, one of these ace starting pitchers. But I've kind of veered off a little bit in terms of, like, when I'm doing these roto drafts, I really do like that tier that... You know, Paul, uh, Nick brought up about, like, Severino. I think, you know, if I could get two of the top 20 starting pitchers, I think I'm all right with that. And that's kind of like what I did in my great fantasy baseball rotation. I ended up with, uh, I didn't take a starting pitcher until round three. I took Walker Bueller, and I just followed that up with James Paxson in the fourth round. I'm all right with that. Sure. Like, as long as I get two of the top, like, 15, 20-ish starting pitchers, I, I think I'm cool with that. So, I'm not... I've kind of like veered off of uh, you where know, you were. I don't think I have to have an ace like at the back end of the first round. There, there's so much hitting talent there too. Like I was trying to tell you, I was trying to tell you that the 15 ago. range, yeah. like Aaron Judge and Jarcarlo Stanton and Alex Bregman and and all these guys that are going in that range. It's kind of hard, hard to argue against just like picking up two of those guys. Absolutely, and there's that's. But it, to answer your question, <laughs> long answer, nice. I would take Degrom over Chris Sale. All right, we go back to you, Nick, after Frank's long and winding answer. <laughs> Um, DeGrom versus Sal. If you're taking one of these guys, I know you said you're waiting on pitching, so you're not bringing him up the board either. But if, right. they, if you feel, or whoever's drafting feels, they're the best guy on the board, which one would you take, Chris Sale or Jacob DeGrom? No, I'd be taking Jacob DeGrom as well. Um, I think we do need to consider the fact that the Red Sox will be in a winning situation again, and they will be able to baby Chris Sale in September again. Uh, that is really concerning to see such a massive drop in velocity. Uh, during the season, and we do have to take that into consideration. Uh, if you're going for a starter at the beginning of your drafts, it's about the floor, and I feel a little bit more comfortable with DeGrom. However, if you talk about the quality of innings, if you say that it's 200 innings each for Sale and DeGrom, I'm going with Sale. 
but there's too much of a, I don't know, a haze around sale that I need to take to Grom second. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it too, right? Like if, if you were guaranteed 200 innings pitched of each of these two guys, I agree. Like I think on a per start, per inning basis pitched for Chris Sale, sure. he's going to be better. But I just, I, I worry a little bit more about him getting closer to that 200 innings. Sure. You know, for reasons that Nick mentioned. I mean, the fact that are, are the Red Sox really going to need to push him throughout the uh, throughout the regular season? I mean, they need him for uh, October like they did last year, right? So I think there's just a little bit more at stake there. I will say Jacob deGrom I don't think is risk-free. Uh, this whole talk about how sure. potentially shutting himself down or like limiting his own innings if he doesn't get a contract extension throughout the season – that's kind of scared me off a little bit as well. I just don't buy any of that. I think it's all posh. I think it's all posh. It's all like lever- yeah. leverage and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, I think, you know, when you're considering taking a starting pitcher in the first round, Greg, you need to consider all of these things. Like, if you have a report oh, like absolutely. this, you sure. kind of like throw it away. Sure. So You're just taking all this. It's just information, right? Yeah. It's just information yeah. gathering. So I, you know, as good as DeGrom and Sale are, I just, I worry about the innings um, and maybe a slight injury risk and, and the, 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 the decreased velocity with Chris Sale a little bit. And then with Jacob deGrom, I, I do worry about like him potentially you know, limiting his innings or whatever. Um, so that's kind of why I've like kind of backed off taking a starting pitcher pulling, there. Pulling him up. Pu- pulling those guys up that's the board where you, know, you can kind of you, – you can just take two of these like so-called aces. Like, I, think, you know, I think Severino is, is an ace. I tried telling you that a while ago. Same. <laughs> And look, a lot of it comes down to roster construction, too, because in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, Bryce Harper fell to me in the middle of the second round. I had pick eight. So, so, you know, I take Jose Ramirez first, and then I get Bryce Harper in the second round. I didn't want to, like, take a Aaron Nola or, uh, you know, pull someone else up the board there in the second round. Like, I wanted Bryce Harper. He fell to me, and that was the best player available, in my opinion, so I took him. And then you kind of adjust from there. And, you know, you want to get your aces after that, and... No, that's what I did with Walker Bueller and James Paxson. So uh, it's not as, I think, concrete that you have to take a starting pitcher in the first two rounds. Maybe as I let on early on in that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Nick, I want to go back to you because I think as much fun as that was, whatever. <laughs> the next what about you, Greg? Do you have an opinion? You're just here bashing everybody. I'm only just you. I'm not bashing Nick. I like Nick. <laughs> um, my my opinion is like I, you know me, Frank. I always want to try. I always want to try. Well, you own one of these three players. I could. I don't want to rule that out. But as I've been kind of saying to you, towards the end of the first round and the early second round, there's so many good hitters that I don't want to let them necessarily go. Problem is, you don't know what you're guaranteeing. If you're guaranteeing me Severino around three, I would let him go happily. Like I would happily let them go. I just don't know that I could do that. I I like walking away with a hitter and a pitcher, if, if possible. If it's not there, it's not there. I'm not going to force it. Like, I'm happy to take Nolan Arenado at 8 or 9, which is what we've talked about. Like, as an 8 or ninth best player on the board, and come back around and take Aaron Judge. Like, I'm, I'll do that if there's no speed there. But, like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, right? I'm, I'm happy to do that rather than force um, DeGrom or Sale because I don't know that the next group is seemingly that far away. And even if they are far away right now, as we saw with Jacob DeGrom last year, certainly they could enter into that territory. So I don't feel... Um, pressured to get one of these three guy, three guys, but I do feel like it's, you know, it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with it, basically. Is that cool? Did that answer your question? Appreciate it, Greg. As, lo- as little fun as those three guys are, I-, I think what makes the next batch of guys much more fun is, well, 
who goes next, right? In this crew, with an ADP, according to the NFBC, all within like 10 spots of each other. Justin Berlander, Corey Kluber, Aaron Nola, Garrett Cole, Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer, Luis Severino, Carlos Carrasco, man. Like, all these guys together. I'm so excited to talk to you, Nick Pollock, about how you order these guys, why you order them in which way, and when they should be drafted. We're going to talk about the next, you know, 10 pitchers or so. When we come back, it's Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Scout Fantasy Sports Would you take Harper or Machado? Harper Would you take Harper or Goldschmidt? I think I would lean Harper I take Harper over Sam Me too I take Harper over Altuve yeah, I've never been a huge Altuve fan. Right, so I think Harper is probably in that 11 to 15 range. Yeah, but you have to know that there is definitely some risk with him. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. So I hope you can stand the vibration, because we're about to rock the entire nation. All right, here we go. Well... Forever effed it up here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Greg Sussman, Frank Stample, Nick Pollock hanging out. It's Friday, man. So, whatever. Nick, we couldn't see you, uh, obviously, while we're dancing and singing. Uh, did you did you join along there, or you're just uh, more of a reserve type? No, I was definitely dancing. Bavona! It was a great time. I want to confirm. That's what I do. I want to confirm that Nick Pollock was dancing. <laughs> so, Sean Bavona, if you could just hit that again. Just to, just to make sure, so we can see it, that he was dancing, I'd, I'd appreciate it. All right, let's, let's get Nick on the screen. Here we now, go. There it is. That's what I do. I'm subtle. That's it. Subtle. It wasn't like a... No, like I, don't, I don't do the arm stuff, no. Right, I just do a little left and right. It is. A little left and right. That's it. 
it's a, it's a little weak. It's a little weak for me. Even though you're rocking a pretty sick Joey Lucchese uh, shirt right now. Oh yeah, it's um, it's actually Lucchese or Fergazi. Oh, uh, that's that's a pictureless shirt where we we don't know what we're gonna get from Joey Lucchese on a given night. Is he gonna be a Lucchese? Is he gonna be a Fergazi? We, we don't know. Dean Martinez, Dean Martinez would rock the crap. Here on the Fantasy Sports Network, he loves to use the term Fugazi. He loves Fugazi. So Lucchese or Fugazi? I gotta tell him that one. <laughs> well, you gotta go to pitcherlist.com/store and Absolutely. go and get one. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show him that. All right, pitcherlist.com/store to get your own Lucchese. What other shirts you got over there? Should I go? Oh, we have a ton. We have uh, tie-owned, which is one of my favorite ones, uh, which is essentially just tie-owned with the five-zero in it. We also have. <laughs> Uh, fancy football is stupid. Uh, I absolutely love that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can't spell win with Tillman. That's that's a classic. Uh, we have a couple more that I'm obviously forgetting right now. But live every day like it's a, a Nola day. Oh yeah, that's a great one. That's one of the first ones we made. I that's love cool. it. I say it every cool. time. I like that. Don't trust the knuckleballer. Ah, some good stuff <laughs> on here, man. There's good stuff on here. And one of the most, one of the most common phrases you have on your site is ace is gonna ace yes and we are talking about aces that we hope ace really all season long yeah we're trying to figure out how to break down these aces which one we like which one we don't and, and the order that we should be drafting them in the next two guys according to the nfbc are verlander and Corey kluber and yet it's funny because when frank and i were talking about a strategy for a draft that we're co-owning in I'm like, I don't know about, I don't know about these guys. Like ageism for sure. Uh, you just expect the decline, rather be a year early, a year late. That that whole deal. And you're like, what do you do about Justin Berlander and Corey Kluber? So okay, you go to the next guys. And you're like, oh, Aaron Nola. He has his own shirt on PitcherList.com. I I like him. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I like Nola, Philly, great National League. Garrett Cole was amazing last year. Blake Snell is your Cy Young Award winner. Uh, Trevor Bauer is getting so much love. Luis Severino, Carlos Carrasco. I mean, there's a lot of names here. How do you break it down? Yeah, uh, I actually see in the next three guys as a pretty easy tier to me. Uh, and it's the ones that I do expect to go about 200 innings with elite strikeout stuff. And that's Verlander, Bauer, and Cole in order. Uh, Verlander having a fastball essentially be his prime fastball from like 2012 uh, at the top of the line. And we're not talking 93 miles per hour. We're talking 95 on that pitch consistently. Uh, swing strike rate of 14.5% last year, which is far and away the best mark he's ever had in his career. It's a career mark of 10.5% swinging strike rate. 14.5 all of a sudden. Phenomenal. Uh, I, I see a workhorse here. 200 innings plus of elite strikeout rates. I don't see him, honestly, that far off from Sale and, uh, and DeGrom, honestly. Uh, and I see what he did last year is very legitimate. So he is the clear number four to me. Uh, and when we talk about the others, Kluber, Severino, Syndergaard, etc., there's a lot more concern, I think, there, especially at the 200-inning threshold, uh, than there is with Verlander. Uh, I see Trevor Bauer as someone that has been elite for a year and a half now. Not a year. He introduced a new slider from his cutter in 2017 in the second half. Had a lot of success there. Pointed to a possible breakout in 2018. That's exactly what we saw. I see a guy that can go 200 innings easily. The only thing that stopped him from doing that last year was a linebacker into his leg. So I I don't see why he can't do that this year. He's even talked a ton about pushing himself and you know being max all the time on one-year contracts. This is someone who can give you 200, if not 220 innings this year of elite uh, of elite quality innings. And then you have Garrett Cole, who obviously I don't really need to say much about his breakout last year. 34.5% strikeout rate, 200 frames. I can see a lot of the same 
there. It's a little bit more of a risk, I think, in the ERA department, considering he had such an amazing start to the year and they did slow down a bit after. And that home run rate probably will be around 11% or so. But I still see him as 200-plus quality innings uh, and more of a safer bank than the ones that follow. Yeah, so I... I'm in complete agreement with with Verlander and and Garrett Cole. I know that you're you're kind of <laughs> you you want to do the uh, one year early rather than yeah, one year I, late I mean, thing with Verlander. I do. But but Greg, in terms of like everything that you've seen, nothing there, like velocity still being there. Like the swinging strike rate was ridiculous last year. There's nothing. There's since nothing. He's, I'm, since he's joined Houston, and you know, I, look, I'm not gonna do. <laughs> I'm not gonna technically side with Trevor Bauer here, but uh, anyone who goes to Houston. Uh, you know, they get a little bit more spin on the ball for whatever reason. Those curveballs are working. So, look, Verlander has been ridiculous since he's joined uh, the Houston Astros. And then with Garrett Cole, like, I think for me, he's the next one up, right? Like, if you are slightly worried about the age concern with a Justin Verlander, which I am not, but you might be, uh, why don't why not just pivot off to a guy like Garrett Cole, who is younger, is on the same team, like, he's going to get run support, uh, as hard as it is to predict wins, like we think the Houston Astros are going to win a lot of games, right? So, and you know, his first year with Houston, very similar. Like you see the strikeout rate go up, the swinging strikes. Uh, he was just awesome. Like he finally he put it all together. You know, one of Matt Modica's guys from last year. Definitely say this a lot about like, all right, Modica, who are your guys? Last year he was in on Garrett Cole. Garrett Aaron- Cole Aaron- Aaron- he's been on Aaron Nola for a couple of years now. Trevor Bauer is the one that I find a little bit more interesting here, Nick. And I, look, I can't knock it in terms of the skills. You're absolutely right about the slider. Since he's introduced that pitch a year and a half ago, he, he's been awesome. Uh, he's He hasn't topped 190 innings. Um, he's only done it once, rather, in, in 2016. I hear what you're saying about uh, the line, the liner that he, he took last year off the leg that kind of prevented him. But he is in a contract year, so you have that narrative as well. Like, I think if, if there's anything that's going to... Uh, to motivate a guy like Trevor Bauer, I mean, he's like very outspoken. Like, you know, he goes on Twitter all the time. He goes on these rants and stuff. If there's anything that's going to motivate him, the fact that, you know, he's playing for a long-term contract uh, coming up, I-, I think that is. But I find it interesting that you kind of, uh, you, lump, you lump Trevor Bauer in with, the, with the, this trio in the second round rather than a guy like Aaron Nola, who everyone seems pretty excited Corey about. Corey Kluber, too. Man. Corey Kluber, too. Yeah. So... All right, well, two things there. About Kluber, if you want to talk about ageism and falling off, he actually has the signs of degradation that you should be worried about, as opposed to Verlander, who doesn't. Um, What signs signs are you referring to here? Yeah, specifically declining fastball and the fact that he lost seven ticks of swing strike rate on his cutter. That's really scary. Uh, It's still a great pitch, but seeing his secondary stuff that has been supporting a bad fastball for a long time getting worse— it's just kind of we'll be looking back at it in a year or two saying, oh, yeah, here's a straight decline. And we should have seen this coming. Uh, it does make me scary. I still have Corey Kluber at seven because I think his concerns are not or you know there are just a lot of concerns after. And he just fine. I'll, I'll allow it for one more year with Corey Kluber. But I, if you're going to talk about, you know, I don't want to be one year too late. I want to be one year too early. Kluber is actually, I think, the one that you should be scared of the most. Um, now with Aaron Nola, I actually have been the biggest Aaron Nola fan since like 2015 and it's burned me obviously, uh, until last year. And that's why I actually live every day. Like it's Nola day is a long time thing on the site. Uh, this is the first year that I'm not on the Aaron Nola train. Uh, I, 
I had him at number 10 originally. I actually now have Severino above him at 11. Uh, th- there are a couple things about Aaron Null that scare me. One, that he has had an injury history. Last year was the first year that it was okay. Everything was fine. But he has had back trouble in the past as well. I don't like that. Uh, I also don't like the fact that he doesn't have the same elite numbers as other guys that we're talking about here. Uh, it's a 340 Sierra on top of that. That is uh, adjusting to his expected home run rate. The fact that the Phillies defense isn't that great and he shouldn't be containing a 251 Babbitt being a heavy ground ball pitcher that generally speaks to a higher Babbitt than that. Uh, and while he has a 12.5% swing striker, which is great, I regenerated a 27% K rate, and I don't think he takes the leap of being a 30% plus K rate like we do everybody else in front of him. So it all adds up to maybe sub 200 innings pitched, maybe a three or so ERA with 27% K rate and a 1 to 110 whip. And that's great. But I think the other guys have just a higher ceiling without much of a different floor. So that's why I'm a bit out on Nola. It's really weird saying that because he's my boy. <laughs> uh, and uh, But that's just kind of the state of it right now. And I think that makes sense too, right? When, so when we had Modica on, he talks a lot about price for profit, yeah. right? Like buying not just pitchers, but players, right? That uh, that obviously can profit where you're, where you're drafting them right now. So right now, Aaron Nola, you're kind of drafting him based on last year's results. And, you know, this is actually, actually an interesting exercise, Nick, that no, I, I've saw, I saw people point this out on Twitter before, is that if you look at the FIP and the XFIP and Sierra of Aaron Nola over the past three seasons, it's it's been unchanged. Yet his ERA has been all over the place during that span, right? So last year he was 2.37. The year before that he was 3.54. And then in 2016 he was 4.78. But his FIP has been between 3.08 and 3.27 all of those seasons, right? And his XFIP has been between yep. 3.08 and 3.38 all those seasons, right? So... He's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, he might be closer to his 2017. I think he's a better pitcher than that. You know, I think he's better than, like, a 3-5 ERA. He's maybe a, you know, a low threes ERA. So, I, I kind of get what Nick is talking about here with Aaron Nola. And, you know, the case per nine, uh, you know, they're, they're nine and a half. But the swinging strike rate was a career high last year in terms of it was 12%. So, maybe that... Uh, those K per nine, uh, the strikeout rate overall comes up a little bit for Aaron Nola, but he doesn't have the same upside in like a Garrett Cole where he's giving you 11, 12 Ks per nine. And same thing with Justin Verlander where, you know, we've seen those guys go 200 innings multiple years in a row now. I think it's fair to put Trevor Bauer closer to like the Aaron Nola. Like if you're really like micromanaging this, this tier of starting pitching, like in the second round, I think Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are ahead of both Bauer and Nola. And then I think Bauer is kind of closer to Aaron Nola. Like, on a per-game basis, he might be better, but I do have some concerns with him as well in, ter- uh, in terms of uh, getting the 200 innings pitched. He's never done it. Uh, Aaron Nola actually did do it last year. So I think those guys are kind of like later second round, whereas I feel a little bit tad safer with guys like Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. Again, I mean, we're just finding stuff to like split hairs here uh, between these starting pitchers. What I'm interested in trying to figure out is Nick, you had Verlander, Bauer, and Cole in that tier together. You have yep. them basically at four, five, and six. You told me that you just told me that Severino and Nola are ten and eleven. That leaves seven, eight, nine. And I'm trying to figure out who you have there. Are we talking Carlos Carrasco, Blake Snell? Uh, what what are you thinking in in the tier between these guys? So so it's not Carrasco. I'm actually someone that has never drafted Carrasco, say for I think 2015 or so. Uh, I, I'm worried about his health, and I think that his overall repertoire just doesn't speak to 
uh, elongated success like the other guys, especially bad fastball, like really bad fastball. Um, but uh, actually, I have Severino above uh, Syndergaard. Syndergaard is now at 10. Uh, it's Kluber at 7, Snell at 8, Severino 9, etc. Um, so, so, so you, yeah. you, you do still have Kluber right in that mix despite yes. the potential decline we see coming. It's kind of like the tier of, all right, all these guys can be great and amazing, but there are problems that we need to address and question marks that I think, honestly, I mean, uh, Frank, you're talking about the, the concerns of Bauer. Bauer would have had 200 innings in previous years. He like he has the ability. It's just that he was bad back then. <laughs> that was that was literally the reason why he didn't. Uh, he didn't even get full starts. Uh, you know, he would, had some relief appearances because he wasn't great until he got great. And then pretty much he was just rolling and would have easily gone over 200 more for that liner. I'm not worried about that uh, 200 innings concern. Honestly, I'm more worried about it for Nola than I am for Bauer. Um, but it's talking about the concerns. I already talked about Kluber a bit about why I think he might take a step back this year uh, with Blake Snell. I mean, there's not much more I need to say than 241 BABIP and 88% left on base rate. It's really hard to expect those kind of numbers to repeat. And then again, that return to 189 year array. Uh, and maybe that, you know, full takeoff is still underneath three. Yes. At the same time, I also think that the Rays are going to baby him a little bit. Uh, they are definitely one of those organizations that understands the the value of a good bullpen or utilizing it a lot. And we saw, especially in the second half, they were just completely uh, easy on Snell. They didn't even let him go deeper into games because he was coming off of injury and they just had no reason to really push him. So I could see that happening again, and it's a little tougher for me to see 200 strong innings from Snell than the other guys. But at eight, I mean... He clearly has it made with fastballs up, curveball slider down with a really good changeup as his fourth pitch now. I actually, <laughs> you can't see it, but on my wall, I have framed uh, the strike zone plot of a game he had against the Seattle Mariners on June 3rd, where he has just four seamers elevated and curveballs and sliders at the bottom of the zone. It's one of my favorite things in my room. So I love his transition. I love his new approach. And I really do think it sticks through 2019. A lot of high praise here when it comes to Trevor Bauer. I mean, that's one of my biggest takeaways here is how good you expect Bauer to be yeah. in, in, in this tier um, amongst Verlander and amongst Garrett Cole and ahead of uh, some more, more known commodities, essentially, um, with Arnola, with Blake Snell, um, and, and certainly Corey Kluber as well. Frank, I know you're not – and you gave us a couple of reasons, but if you don't mind going a bit more in depth – why you're not as in as Nick probably on Trevor Bauer. I don't, I don't want to say I'm out. I didn't, I say, I, 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 yeah. I didn't say you're out because I, I don't think you are out, but I know you're not as high. Yeah, I think it's, I hear what you're saying about the, the innings. It, it just, it, it's, it somewhat concerns me. Look, I, he's pitching for a contract, so I could see that on a per star basis. I think he, he's going to be awesome. I just, me personally, uh, the fact that I've seen guys like Verlander, and you know, maybe it's just like an eye thing. I've, you know, I've seen Verlander and Garrett Cole go 200 innings pitch before, and you know, maybe it's not even fair to say. And that's why we have Nick here to kind of tell us why uh, he does expect Trevor Bauer to kind of get there this season. So uh, I think it's just I prefer those guys, the Astros guys, and I believe you had them ranked ahead of him as well, Nick. Right? You, like you have the Astros you guys. Yeah, Bauer ranked. between them. Yeah, Bauer yes, between them. Bauer in between. But I understand the concerns of Bauer. I mean, to help you out, he had a 109 WHIP last year. That's not. The, the sub one that we've seen from other guys. 
Uh, so I, it's as you said it yourself, it is splitting hairs. Uh, it's okay if people you know want to go with Nola instead. I just like the fact that Bauer actually is lower in ADP. So when we talk about going after a starter maybe in the yeah. third round, I've been fortunate to say, okay, great, cool. I'll take Trevor Bauer often. Uh, so it, it's all right. I, I feel it's so close that you can wait. It's just an argument to say, just wait till the third round and get Trevor Bauer. You know what's another case for drafting Trevor Bauer is the uh, the the division that he plays in. Yes. Yeah, the AL Center. Like, Aaron Nola is going to have to face the Mets lineup that we like, the Braves, the Nationals lineup. Like, not really the easiest division. You left, the off, Marlins you left off the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, yes. yeah, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a break. We've heard about Carlos Carrasco. Let's hear more about Luis Severino from Nick Pollock. Nick Pollock, pitch your list, continues on with us next. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Rain dance! Make it rain. It seems as if everybody at the Combine took this big breath like, oh, wow, he's 5'10". Are we all supposed to believe that now everything is going to be hunky-dory with Kyler Murray as a quarterback in the NFL? I've never seen a scouting community, NFL people, football people be so excited about a quarterback being an eighth of an inch above 5'10". Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We want to remind you that the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine is in full swing, and for serious players, fantasy football has now become a year-round pastime. Roto experts have you covered with the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto experts are providing dynasty season-long betting best ball and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at RotoExperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, available right now only at RotoExperts.com. If you're looking for 
some of our baseball advice and rankings and such, head on over to Frank's Patreon page because he's got it all there. His starting pitcher rankings will be available soon. Well, you got to pay for those. All the infield rankings, they're free as a little taste of what our guy Frank Stample can give you. A dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. You can see what the tiers are for Frankie if you head over to his Patreon page. Now, it's right up there on his Twitter. Check it out. It's Frank Stample's Patreon page. And what can I get at pitcher list? Nick Pollock. Oh, they get so many things. Uh, you can join our Discord where you're talking to the staff 24-7 at patreon.com slash pitcherlist. Uh, we have fantasy leagues that you can join. You can uh, get our draft outline early, 10% off of all of our merch. Definitely join it. It's 300 people. We just talk fantasy all day long. It's the best thing ever. Uh, so definitely join that. And all kinds of fantasy baseball content, of course, at pitcherlist.com. There you go. At PitcherList.com. You can follow uh, Nick at PitcherList, who does just such a great job uh, breaking down all the pitchers, as we found out today, where Frank and I, during the break, just looked at each other like, guys, we got to rethink this Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we bring him on, to make us rethink. 100%. We are completely just rethinking all of this. And you have me rethinking about Carlos Carrasco. Uh, I wanted to get me to get your, your thoughts here on the next guys. Unless there's something else you wanted to bring up about some of the pitchers we talked about already, or are you good? Frankie. No, I'm cool with those guys. I mean, the Corey Kluber thing is interesting. I think a lot of people are still going to try and buy back in. That's why you see his ADP where it's at, where he's uh, he's going in at pick 24 in NFBC ADP. So he's going, you know, the middle of the second round uh, in 15 team drafts. I think a lot of people are still going to try and buy in based on name value. I mean, where do you kind of draw the line, Nick? Like, I know you told us where you rank him, uh, but, you know, if you have these concerns... Shouldn't we we rank him lower than where he is? Like, you know, is well, he going to be thing. on any of your teams? Like, is he an active, like, a player that you're trying to avoid because of, like, these concerns that you have? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, everyone has a price, of course. I have him at seven because the other guys are about to talk about Snell, Severino, Syndergaard, Nero, they also all have their concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a matter of when I am actually looking to get a starter who is on the board. Uh, I don't expect to own Kluber because, as you're mentioning, name value and the history that Kluber has, they're going to look past the fact that he has lowest swing strike rate overall since 2014, the lowest fastball velocity he's had, that step back, as I mentioned before, on that signature breaking ball. It's just all a little concerning for me, but at the same time, he's had five straight years of 200 innings pitched, and he still had a sub-three ERA even with those step backs last season. Uh, it is concerning, we'll say. I think a lot of people forget that it is a 26.5% uh, strikeout rate, which isn't the elites that uh, you know Verlander and Cole sure. and that Bauer can have. And yes, he did have the 34% mark in 2017, but I honestly don't think that he'll have another 30% yeah. strikeout rate That's in his career again. Too. That's the outlier with Kru- Right, right? exactly. Like if you look down, he's basically been between 26 and 28% strikeout rate in every year since 2014, except for 2017 when he had that... 34% strikeout rate, like, that is the outlier. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal in 2017, and there's no debating that. But, again, his strand rate that year was nearly 83%. So, um, as great as he was, he's a 2.25 ERA. Like, his FIP, his ex-FIP, his Sierra were all higher. So, uh, that really, as good as Kluber is, I think he's a great pitcher. Um, I do think that his 2017 was somewhat of an outlier. But, look, the, the innings pitched, <laughs> those are pretty safe when it does come to Kluber, right? Because he's been... He's been at least 203 innings pitched for five seasons in a row. I mean, in, a, in an era right now where you know, there's not many pitchers who are going 200 innings pitched, um, Kluber, I think, is probably one of the safer there. So 
Like, maybe you give them a, a bump up in points leagues be, be, where, like, the volume and the innings pitched and the durability is... Um, that obviously helps in points league. Like, the best ability for points leagues is availability. Like, you really... You, you, need, you need those guys, whereas in Roto, uh, it's kind of like, how good are you when you're actually pitching? It's like on a per-start, like, per-game basis. It's a little bit different in that regard. Uh, so maybe you bump them up a little bit in points leagues. Uh, but I, I agree. Like, I think the Astros guys specifically, uh, and, you know, now that we're talking to Nick Bauer, um, I think those guys have more upside on a per-start basis, especially with the strikeouts, uh, than a guy like Rick Kluber. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate um, as well, guys. And I think you make really good points where it's not even that he's bad. We're, we're, we're nitpicking, right? We're, we're trying to break all of these guys down as best as we can and try to tell you when to draft them, which one to leave on the board, and hope we'll still be there around um, around the turn and come back around to you. One of those guys can be Luis Severino here. And I wanted to get into Luis Severino uh, with the Yankees. Well, I keep harping on you, Frank, saying, hey, we can get Severino. We can get Severino. We can get Severino. I feel like I've gotten you there. We're like, all right, cool. We'll take Severino. Um, you have Severino around number nine or ten, Nick. Yes. And you have a head of Moe Syndergaard, a head of Walker Bueller. So it sounds like you're pretty in on Severino as well. Yep. I I would say Syndergaard, Severino, and Nola are all very, very close to okay. me. Um, the fact that I just had Severino behind Nola and then leapfrogged both uh, him and Syndergaard. It's it's such a conundrum and it's really frustrating because obviously you had that amazing start of the year that was 18 starts of uh, sub two ERA, 30% K rates, a sub one whip. He was going about six and two thirds per game at that point, which is phenomenal. And then obviously, of course, he had that seven start run when he just could not stop letting up fastballs. Sorry, uh, home runs off of his fastball. And there was a lot of talk about him tipping. There was talk about his slider not having the same feel. And the more and more I thought about it, I realized that's a seven start sample over two seasons that is making us move away from Severino. And that just doesn't seem right to me. And I, I, so, I completely agree, by the way. That's kind of why I'm very much back in because... Nick, Greg's right. also a Yankees fan, so Fine. you got to take that into account. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Yankee I, fan too, but I don't let it affect my no, uh, analysis. No, listen, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, but Severino was just too good in the first half and too good the year before to, to let seven starts kind of dictate how we feel about him. And I understand that with so many of the hitters we've talked about, we've looked at their second halves and said, hey, you can build upon this. And you want to do that Severino, you know, well, you're not going to take him as a 10th pitcher off the board. I mean, look, second half performance isn't really a direct correlation between, like, next year's performance either. Like, every everyone remembers that because it's the last thing that they remember seeing from, like, a pitcher or a hitter. Like, oh, this guy had a great second half, right? It's probably going to carry over. Like, no, I, I, I actually well, think that there's been studies done that confirm that there's really no correlation between the thing you know second half performance unless unless there's something tangible that's being done right like yes, exactly. like like a pitcher adding a different pitch like we talked about Trevor Bauer a, a, a season and a half now whereas okay maybe over the second half he added a, dif- a different pitch i know you know something that i've read on the athletic regarding Jose Quintana was that he changed where he was standing on the 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 rubber over the his like final 12 starts and he had a 3.6 ERA during that span like these are tangible things. If if a hitter starts hitting the ball harder or lifting the ball more in the second half, like that's what you can look at. But it's not just, okay, every second half is created equal and we need to just take second half performance and carry it over into the next season. Like if you look at the skills for Severino over the second half, yes, he had a 5.57 ERA and a 4.90 slug against. Like he was getting crushed. But look a little bit deeper and the skills were really not all that different between the first half and the second half. In fact, his K per nine went up. His walks per nine went 
down is, uh, you know, his BABIP was 379. So, like, that was incredibly high. And his strand rate was 63%, which, you know, league average is like 75%. So, there was a lot of unluckiness involved with Severino in the second Absolutely. half. It's not all, you know, I mean, he was still doing things that were on his end that were not great that he, you know, should be remedying, hopefully, in the offseason. But if you look at the skills, you can argue that like he was almost better or at least the same that he was in the second half. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on everything I just threw out there, Nick? Uh, because <laughs> yeah, no, this, this was good. I mean, it, I like that you focus on the fact that it's not just about the second half. It's about the tangible thing and then seeing a change that we can apply. I, I would say this about Severino's struggles in the second half. Yeah, I was talking about seven starts and his fastball got lit up because the slider wasn't as effective. It did expose the actual weakness in Severino, which is the inconsistency of his changeup. And not having that strong third option when guys are spitting on the slider and they're not chasing out of the zone means that they can just sit on that fastball. And that's what happened when he allowed all those home runs. And that's why his Babbitt was elevated because normally those times when they need to be uh, kept honest and not to just sit dead right on the fastball. Now they could, and they just hit those fastballs that are inside the zone. So it's really important to see that changeup take that next step. And if it does, then he's a top five pitcher to me. Uh, the fact that he hasn't, well, he, he took a major step back in 2018 overall with that changeup is the biggest area of concern. Uh, at the same time, we're going to talk about Syndergaard, and I talked about Nola's concerns and Carrasco's concerns. And overall, I think he has the easiest path to to rectifying that and making you know having that ceiling that we all expect him to have eventually i know it pains you to say greg but remember last off season when severino was actually working with uh, pedro martinez yeah of course to, to uh, absolutely to work on that changeup. i think he's got to do that again <laughs> hopefully hopefully well, he, he did or but because i i know that that was something that he was legitimately consciously working on uh between the at that point 26 16 and 2017 offseason, I believe it was, uh, where he was like working with Pedro Martinez on that changeup. And then he came out and broke out in 2017, obviously. Uh, so we kind of got to get back to there where he's got to he's got to focus on uh, working on that pitch with the changeup. Because, you know, as I've talked about consistently, you know, if you're a starting pitcher and you only rely on two pitches, I mean, those pitches better be really, really damn good. Um, or else that's when you end up turning into a reliever. Right. And that's kind of like the route that Severino was almost going down is they thought, all right, maybe he won't be able to develop that third pitch. He's got to continue to work on developing that third pitch. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And the consistency, which Nick spoke. And not to be your pitches. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that <laughs> helps. I, I agree um, as well. Syndergaard's in this tier. He's spoken a little bit about why Syndergaard is in this tier. Would you mind elaborating uh, what he can do to kind of make the jump this year? Sure. Um, so this one's really interesting. <laughs> Um, the pitchless community is huge on Aaron Nola. We have a lot of guys that are very vocal about it. And when I put out my Except rankings, you. I actually, well, I am, hold on. <laughs> I have been for years. Uh, we have live every day. Like it's Nola day. All right. Now I, I told them that they would be upset at one of the rankings and that would be Syndergaard over Nola And it. And it's brought along a long conversation inside the discord, which is fascinating. And at the end of the day, the reasoning is I expect Syndergaard to improve this year. And I put these out at the beginning of February, suggesting that Syndergaard would see what Jacob deGrom did with four-seam fastballs, that is elevating them, and move away from the sinker that is creating this BABIP issue for him. I wrote about it last year at Fangraphs about uh, the big flaw in 
in Noah Syndergaard is the fact that this BABIP is elevated for a reason. It's not just bad luck that he had a 335 BABIP. It's the fact that he's throwing. He's not pitching. He's just throwing these sinkers in the middle of the zone, and guys are just slapping it easily into the outfield. It's it's not a problem for them, surprisingly, given all of his velocity. And the way you're supposed to pitch with this is you're supposed to go high and tight with a the pitch, then down and away and move around the zone uh, with your heat, and Syndergaard hasn't done it, it until now because I, I expect him to go into – four-seamer mode instead of uh, two-seamers and elevate that four-seamer. And what do you know? There he is on the mound in spring training and afterwards saying, yeah, I'm moving away from my sinker. I'm going to be throwing a lot of four-seamers elevated this year. And I cannot be more excited about this. I really think that this is the year that Syndergaard breaks out. I know the injury stuff completely, and that's the only hesitation I have. But hearing that confirmation and a guy that legitimately has 35% strikeout rate upside with a low walk rate to match it, with a better Mets team behind him now, this just screams the year we've been waiting for Noah Syndergaard. And it makes me feel a little bit better about that early uh, February ranking. I'm, I'm really pumped for Thor this year. Right, Thor making a, a bit of a jump like Jacob deGrom did last year. Nothing against Aaron Nola, but we may have an opportunity uh, for Syndergaard to be the guy we thought he was going to be last year, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you're asking Noah Syndergaard to make too much of a jump or ask him to do something uh, he's ultimately never done before. But I know we're running out of time with you, Nick. Chris Venture will join us in, in hour two. Before I let you go, i got to ask you about two more guys. One's Walker Bueller, who seems to be in this mix with Carrasco, with Syndergaard, with Severino, with Nola and Bauer. You haven't named him yet. How come? No, I haven't. Okay, there, there's, <laughs> there's a term I have called Dodgeritis, which is, uh, which is about just how the Dodgers treat their rotation. Sometimes they're in the pen and sometimes they're in the, the starting rotation. Sometimes they're going to be injured for a moment and then come back. And they're also going to not to let their young pitchers go a while. Uh, I know the argument about uh, about Bueller is that, well, it's not 137 innings. It's also the postseason and the minor leagues. That essentially equates to about 170 last year, which means that maybe he could go 200. I really don't expect that. I think the Dodgers are going to limit him to at most 180 and then save him for that postseason run after that. Um, so that inherently makes me feel like he has a capped ceiling. Then on top of that, he only has 11% swing strike rate. Now, that should be... Not totally representative of a strikeout because he is a four-seam fastball guy. And generally, you see guys that focus on four-seam fastballs have a lower overall swing strike rate, but still get a higher strikeout rate than that would say, just because he essentially gets a high fastball late in counts, and that's how he gets it. I I don't love that he doesn't have this unreal breaking ball on top of the four-seamer, but I love his stuff. I think that he's he's going to be a very good pitcher for you. It's just that I see that capped upside uh, in innings, and I don't really think he can take that leap to 35% strikeout rate. I think the 28% is maybe slightly high, but he should be very good. I have him at, uh, I guess now it's 13 uh, in my ranks. Frank, I'll get to your Walker Buehler comments on the other side. I know we're losing Nick. Probably so. a bad time to tell Nick that I drafted Walker Buehler over Syndergaard in the great fantasy base. Oh, I knew that. You, I already knew that, Frank. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more Dodger to ask you about, and that's Clayton Kershaw, sure. who just con- continues to drop and drop and drop, and, and for good nope. reason, right? He, he's just not healthy. What At what point do you take Clayton Kershaw? At what point you know, do you, you know, take Carlos Martinez, too, I guess? This is the, this is the thing that I feel like, uh, like a surprise I need to say. You can do whatever you want to your own team, and you just don't need to bring that juju around. <laughs> like you, you can win your league without feeling like you need to get the possible value uh, that Kershaw would bring. 
So for me, I'm just I I guess until he gets like the 40th starters or maybe 30th, am I really going after Kershaw when I start? You know, if if I'm if I feel really comfortable with my staff and I feel I got two or three excellent starters that I have such a high floor with, fine, yeah, sure, I'll go after Kershaw and really seal the deal maybe with that. But I'm just not touching it. I, I think there are a lot of people that are taking chances when they don't need to uh, with Kershaw. Once again, it's Nick Pollock at Pitcher List. Nick, tell everybody all the great stuff they can get at Pitcher List. Yeah, uh, we do daily roundups of every starting pitcher and every hitting performance you should know about from the day before during the regular season. Obviously, follow us at Twitter at PitcherList for a ton of pitching gifts, the nastiest gifts every single day, uh, and nastiest pitches from the day before. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash PitcherList. Join our Discord, the best community out there. There you go. That's Nick Paul. Come back soon, my man. This has been a blast. Oh, I would love to. All right. Hour number two. Up next, the closer joins us. Stick around more for your BFFs right after this.